This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good Saturday evening, everyone, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. If you're tuning in live to the uh, radio show tonight, we encourage you to uh, travel safely around the Delaware Valley as the temperatures uh, drop as we get deeper into the night here on a Saturday night. Uh, Be cautious, and as I tell uh, my kids often, uh, look out for the other guy. Look out for indicators as you make your way around the Delaware Valley. Live from uh, the brand new studios here at 2400 Market. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, presented by Pond Lahaki, powered by Sal Patty and PNC Bank, fueled by our good friends at the Sinesta Hotel and driven by Jim Stevenson of Chapman Ford on the boulevard. Jay Doc will be along and just stay uh, in a little bit. We'll bring him into the conversation. Two special guests are uh, joining us live uh, in the studio. If you saw some of the pre-show promotions today uh, promoting uh, Brian Fritz and Kevin Durkin, uh, who are joining us for the full hour uh, of the broadcast. I want, before I bring Brian into the show and bring Kevin uh, into the conversation here uh, in the opening segment, Phil, if you will, I want to play that uh, opening audio clip. This was, and I'll set the stage for the listening audience, this uh, audio clip that you're going to hear Uh, The voice of Brian Fritz, this is from uh, a press conference uh, that was earlier in the week leading up to uh, now Saturday night here in the Delaware Valley on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. January 14th, 2016 began like many days for John Johnson. He was known to his friends and family as Jay. And on that day, he went to work at Pier 78. He was a laborer with Local 57. This was his fourth day on that job, which was a refurbishment project to replace the concrete decking on the pier. However, before that day ended, Jay would lose his life in the dark, desolate waters of the Delaware River, and the company responsible was Agate Construction. I bring Brian Fritz into the uh, conversation, Brian, and I welcome you into Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Brian Fritz, uh, for uh, those who don't know, is uh, the managing partner uh, of the law firm of Fritz and Bean Cooley, and I welcome you, uh, sir, into the uh, into the studio. Uh, and if you will, for the benefit of the listening audience, uh, pick up the story from there. Thanks for having me, Joe, and as well as uh, for uh, having uh, uh, my partner, Kevin. Uh, with us, who will uh, chime in here along the way, who uh, was a critical factor in helping get the results we did for the family. Um, that was the uh, basically a preface of a story that went ran much deeper. Uh, it ran to a history of a company that had uh, ongoing callous disregard for the people on the job sites. And ultimately, what that press conference was about 
wasn't just to memorialize or to remember Jay on his anniversary of his death, but uh, or the settlement associated with it, but also a call. It was a call for action for government and governmental entities to stop the practice of just blindly hiring the lowest bidder. Because what we found out in that case and through having two other cases before Jay Johnson's case, um, that this company, Agate Construction, as the lowest bidder, they're never asked much about their history. They're never asked about their safety record. They're never asked about their safety philosophy or what they've done. They just, the, the government entities just look at the price. And if they come in the cheapest, they hire them. So really, there's no fear of reprisal. Uh, because if they come in as the lowest bidder on the next job, it doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter who got hurt. It doesn't matter who got killed. Because they're still going to get contracts. So our call was uh, that that practice end. And we were joined, we were fortunate uh, to be joined with Bobby Heenan, as well as members of Labor's Local 57, who lost their brother, Jay Johnson. Brian, how, how does it get to that point? How, is, it, is it the system? Is it simply there's, the reg, there's no regulation required? How do we even get to a point that we're having a conversation about it? Um, well, ultimately, your sentiment uh, there is that we shouldn't be having this conversation. We, we should have never had to have hold a press conference. We should have never had to have um, memorialized Jay's passing. And I think you, it, in your question, Joe, is a presumption. It's a presumption that most people want to act in a way that looks out for others. However, that becomes something that's secondary or even non-existent when money's involved. And when these companies are able to go forward and put their profits over the sanctity of human life, in which we found in the two prior cases, Pat Montgomery's case, the, um, the death of Michael McQuaid, and now the death of Jay Johnson, what we see is this history of let's cut it to the bone, let's make sure we don't face financial penalties, let's make sure that we ensure our profits, and to hell with anything else. And that's how we ultimately get there. Now, the system, you mentioned the system. The system um, almost encourages that because of the fact of what I led with is that if you're the lowest bidder on the next project, you don't have to worry about what you did before. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a multitude of factors that can be resolved in one fell swoop, and that is that you now award contracts to the most deserving contractor who has a proven safety record, who has a proven safety philosophy, who actually cares about people in doing the work. When you act, when you have somebody that or a contract that demonstrates that as part of the bidding process, you now eliminate the bad actors. Construction is a, a, a hazardous situation. However, you make it much more so when you invite these types of profiteers of human misery, okay, that don't face reprisal. You make it even that much more hazardous and the probability that people won't um, leave that site in one piece. One last, one, sure, last, uh, one last question before uh, for you, and we're going to spend a lot of time here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor uh, talking about uh, this case and some of the details that uh, have now come out from uh, this case. Plus, we'll bring Kevin Durkin into the uh, conversation. Brian, I want to get you to comment, if you will, on behalf of Jay. Uh, did he have a chance when he went to work that day? The fact that Jay Johnson is the only person that perished on that site is the true miracle. 
the fact that Michael McQuay was the only person that perished on the Cheesequake Bridge project in February 2013 is another miracle. The fact that Pat Montgomery, back in uh, April of 2012, was the only person injured on the Big Ditch project. All, these are all agate construction projects. The fact that we only, we're only talking about either one major injury uh, and one death on the other two projects is the true miracle. So did he have a chance? Here, let me describe the conditions. Pitch black dark. They removed the walkways. They didn't tell them that the walkways were removed. And he fell in. The walkways they used the day before were no longer there, and they didn't tell them. They cut them away the day before, uh, that morning. And then he falls into that river. In January, the water's freezing. And the fact that he was, unfortunately from our expert, the, he was aware. Uh, and he did suffer uh, for about 15 minutes before hypothermia set in. And the way that that pier is structured, Joe, is that the substructure has these cells. So if you fall in from, from up top in the decking, what happens is you fall into a chamber. You can't go right, you can't go left, you can't go back, you can't go forward. So the only way out is to come is to get through the way you fell in. So did he have a chance? Not once he f- had fallen in and the fact that they didn't tell them and they didn't cover those holes, they increased the likelihood that he wouldn't have a chance. And that's agate construction. Ryan Fritz is in studio along with his partner, Kevin Durkin, joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you live, of course, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll lead you into Temple Basketball uh, coming up at 7.50. You'll get the Temple pregame show, and then we'll go right into tip-off at the top of the hour. We'll get to our first commercial break. On the other side of the break, Kevin Durkin will uh, join and jump in on the conversation. Uh, J-Doc will be along at some point. Uh, It's odd not having J-Doc in the studio tonight. It's a little bit more manageable in terms of the process uh, without J-Doc, but we'll bring him uh, into the dialogue as well. You're listening to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk 10 WPHT. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT live uh, in the studio as we join you uh, every Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Brian Fritz uh, is with us in studio. His partner, Kevin Durkin, uh, is here. Uh, J-Doc is going to uh, jump into the conversation. He is not here uh, in studio, but he will will bring him into the uh, conversation. This is nice, Brian, because I can, uh, I can have J-Doc be part of the show, but I can actually control his mic so I can keep him on mute uh, and not allow him uh, to to jump into the conversation uh, like he loves to do, but we'll bring him in uh, to the dialogue and get back into what started out to be a very serious conversation. uh, I'm I'm, I'm so glad that you uh, and Kevin came in to uh, into the studio tonight. I watched uh, the video from uh, the press conference uh, that was held uh, earlier in the week. We played an audio drop 
uh, from that uh, press conference. Uh, Kevin, let me bring you into the uh, conversation. Kevin Durkin joining us here live uh, in the studio as well. Um, you heard your partner, you heard Brian um, lay the uh, groundwork uh, for the story that you were intimately uh, involved in. Let me give you an open mic for a few minutes and let me allow you just without a question to talk uh, to talk about the case. Sure. Thanks, Joe, for having me on first. Um, picking up where uh, Brian left off, in this case, you know, you exchange thousands and thousands of pages of documents. And when you're looking at those documents, every once in a while you come across something and it's just so infuriating that it makes you drop everything and you just can't believe it. Um, and in this case, I felt like that was happening week in, week out. I was just finding more and more incriminating documents that were just jaw dropping. And one of the first ones in this case was a, uh, a kickoff meeting minutes and the kickoff meeting minutes, you know, like any big project it talks about, um, what are, what are we expecting? You know, what should, uh, what should we be on the lookout for? What are the potential problems? And Agate, the general contractor actually had a list there of what are the biggest risks on this job. And they had the number one risk of the job was the liquidated damages clause that they said the heavy liquidated damages is the number one risk we face on this job. And this is a company that had just come off one fatality in New Jersey, one catastrophic accident in New Jersey, uh, and had just seen their safety director resign in disgust with a scathing letter to the president of the company saying, you guys are treating safety like a joke. And then for them to come into Philadelphia and, and take this job on the pier and not have safety as the number one priority was just infuriating. And, and, and that's, that's the attitude that this company had before the project started. And it was the attitude that they showed consistently through the project. Um, and, and, it's it, tough stuff, boy. It's it, tough it, to it, hear. It really it's, is. It's it's so hard for me, and perhaps for the listeners, to listen to that and not be offended, not wonder why, not ask how 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 could they exist. So uh, it's important. One of the things to dovetail in the liquidated damages. Okay, that means that if they fall behind on the job they would face a certain penalty per day, okay? And they wanted to ensure their profits. So like what Kevin said, they're not coming in saying, let's make sure everybody goes home okay. They're coming in right off the bat, number one, let's make sure that our profit margin doesn't get reduced. And the reason why that's so important, they did the same thing in the Mike McQuaid situation. That's what led to his death. They did a, a similar thing in my, Pat Montgomery where they shorted the crew so that they didn't have the number of people that they were supposed to have under the collective bargaining agreement. They're supposed to have a foreman and four men. They reduced it to a foreman and three men. So Pat actually had to be a working foreman, and the, the stage was set for horror. So when you go through all these things, infuriating, offended, uh, you can use a bunch of adjectives. In fact, the English language probably doesn't even have an adequate description 
for what you should experience. Um, you really step back and you, you start thinking of things like evil, evil motivation, and and all the things associated when people put um, something senseless like money above what it means to have some sort of lookout for a human being. Let me bring J Doc into the conversation and welcome in J Doc. And um, I don't want to bring you into the program uh, at this particular moment as if you were. Uh, co-hosting the show. I, I would love to uh, first bring you in, and, and the first comment I would love to get from you um, is, is you know what workers go through, or you know what it means to start a job on a job, sh- on a job site. You're, you're an iron worker. I mean, first, you know, first of all, I want to thank uh, Brian Fritz and Kevin Durkin for, for um, representing uh, Jay Johnson and his family, um, obviously is a member of local 57, a member of the labor movement. Um, we all know when a tragedy like this happens, the only place change takes place is in the courtroom. And so obviously it, I, I, you know, what you got, I watched the press conference, Joe Krause watched the press conference. It couldn't have been more, uh, emotional. There's so many topics. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, uh, Jay Doc, I want I want your perspective first. I want you to weigh in on in, on this trade. conversation. Uh, uh, you were an iron worker by trade. You, in sure. some way, shape, or form, have an opinion from a worker's perspective on what Jay encountered and what it meant to what his family is now sure. going through. Comment so, on that for so me. So when, when you're on a job. It's one hand for yourself, one hand for the company, okay? You, you know, there's, it's all, especially, um, and I, I can't ever remember, and, and I saw the press conference, and I'm listening to the fellas right now, I can never remember such a callous situation. It's always about the safety. You come into the job in the morning, you want to leave, go home to your family afterwards. So my first thing, the first thing I'm thinking of is, what an incredible disgrace. Um, and I, you know, I saw the details of, 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 uh, on, on the press conference and I'm listening to them now. Um, there's so much to talk about. Uh, you know, there's not enough emotion in, in the day. Bobby Heenan was fantastic at the press conference talking about making change. One of the things I'd like to ask the guy, and this is the guys, and this is extremely important because the people may not understand it. The, the, the lowest bidder. Okay. What is that? Describe that. What does that mean? There's a general contractor puts a bid out for a job, and then a bunch of contractors, uh, you know, they'll, they'll file a bid. Talk about exactly, tell the, the public exactly what you're talking about. Um, sure, uh, Joe. Um, Bobby Heenan used a uh, phrase within the uh, in his segment of the press conference of what's said rip and reward, where they rip open the bids and you know, whoever comes in as the lowest uh, dollar amount to do the work uh, gets the contract to do it without a question asked on really anything else. And in this in this one, uh, in the bid package, which we made available to the press, um, the amount was, uh, I think it was like five, Kevin, what was it, the 5.3? It was right around five and a half million dollar project. Okay, so that that's what Agate came in as. And what they look at, um, what the government looks at is, okay, what are all the other bids of everybody else? And whoever's the lowest, they give it to. It. And Agate has a history of what, I, I guess the one thing that they are good at is coming in as the lowest bid. 
they realize what what and other... then cu- and then cutting corners right? correct absolutely yep mm-hmm. right so they, so in essence what they did was they they bid lower than everyone else and in order to meet their bid they didn't they didn't um, have all the safety protocols they cut corners and it put lives in jeopardy and as a result one of them. Uh, is there uh, not, J. Doc and, and Brian and Kevin, let me ask you, perhaps you know, is there not a protocol that would prevent me as a company from submitting a bid if all of the boxes or all of the criteria has not been checked or has not been cross-referenced? Is that not the norm? Those boxes and that criteria that you're speaking about, which implied in your question, means is about safety history and safety culture. Uh, yeah, that's not in place when you just deal with the lowest bidder and you just blindly accept that. You're not asking for those other things. Um, so that's part of our call. And Joe, it, you're capturing, and and, um, and what Joe Doc is capturing too, is that there's a common sense notion that those things, and I think the public at large thinks that those things are you know, normally factored into the bidding process. And when you come to find out, they're not. They're not, and they should be. Because if they had been, and I said this in the press conference, if the Philadelphia Regional Port Authority had the history of Agate, had known about things, this 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 letter of, um, uh, the scathing letter of uh, condemnation about, about, from their safety director, about their safety culture, if they had known about all this, common sense and good judgment would have prevailed, and the Philadelphia Regional Port Authority would have said, okay, you may have come in at the lowest dollar amount, but you're not getting it. Because you know what? There's going to be a human toll paid on this. Let's go to somebody else. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'd like to say is this. And, I, you know, there's so much. when you're, If you saw the press conference, um, certainly I'd like to talk about what happened after when, when the company knew that OSHA might, was, was, a lot, was going to be called after the, the man was killed, number one. And number two, where was the safety guy? Where was the safety guy who was supposed to be out there watching the job for the, for the workers while this happened? Let me pick up uh, the, the second part of your question first, uh, Joe. Uh, the, the, the company safety guy. Right, the company safety guy. The crew that Jay was working on was actually a night shift crew. And what happened was the project was uh, already far behind a month in and they came up with this plan to make up the time to avoid again those heavy uh liquidated damages they were so worried about the plan was to add this second night shift that's how jay ends up on that pier he's hired at a local 57 four days before his death to go work this newly formed night shift now agate had a uh a site superintendent slash safety director on site during the day shift, but they couldn't have that guy work around the clock. So they had to bring in a new night shift superintendent to serve that same role. What they did was they pulled a new hire uh, who had never held that role before off another project in South Jersey, put him in charge of this night shift, which was, you know, so much more dangerous in the day shift because now they're doing it in like brian said the pitch black mostly uh and this guy you know another one of those infuriating moments was uh the person that they placed in charge of the night shift did not have an osha 30 
And that was in direct violation, as you know, of Philadelphia Code that was put in place after the Salvation Army building collapse disaster. I was just going to say that. You're never supposed to have a project like that taking place unless it's being overseen by someone who has a minimum of an OSHA 30. And this, this individual did not. Uh, and you know, one of the arguments that we had made in the case was, uh, as maddening as that is, even if he had had his OSHA 30, it wouldn't made that much of a difference because this individual would sit in the nice warm trailer on the shoreline. Anyway, he wasn't overseeing anything. So he was both underqualified and did a bad job. So, and after the job, after the accident, uh, or the negligent accident, am I right? And am I recalling it? Right? Didn't didn't weren't weren't individuals um, instructed by? One yeah, of the that was the, that was the first part of your question, Joe. Was the OSHA investigation? OSHA, obviously, uh, to the to the listeners, anytime there is a fatality or a hospitalization. Uh, OSHA has to be uh, informed of the accident and come out and start their investigation. And OSHA did that. Um, Jay's accident was on a Thursday night. Um, what we developed in this case from some of the higher ups in uh, the company that had hired Jay out of the hall was that there was a meeting in the trailer uh, the morning before OSHA came out to do their individual interviews of the workers. And the, um, the corporate safety director for Agate was overheard telling the workers who had worked on that night shift to basically throw Jay under the bus uh, and say, right. you know, well, he, he, everyone else was tied off. Everyone else was wearing fall protection except him. And the guys wouldn't go for it. You know, the, 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 the version that came out during the depositions was, you know, the, the rank and file men who were working that night shift were saying, you know, that's just not true. No one was wearing fall protection. And it, 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 again, it was one of those moments where it just, it it makes you so mad during the case. Brian, let me give you last word before we go. We're going to get to a commercial break in about 60, but let me give you last word on this segment. Sure. And, uh, it's important to realize this, this, this is where the level of stupidity um, comes in even of, of full force. All right. They were so concerned about this fall protection, right? If someone had fallen through a hole here, all right, that's great. They, they would have, they would have had fall protection and they would have been suspended in the water. All right. The fall protection wasn't the issue. It was the fact that Agate didn't cover the holes. All right. So the fact that, so here you have a guy trying to get people to lie just to blame the dead guy. Okay. To, to further disgrace, um, you know, the, with, what they had done. And, and draw um, uh, the person who's not there to defend himself into question. I mean, the, 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 how despicable that is um, speaks for itself. But it, their level of misunderstanding, their safety director's level of misunderstanding, so what if he had fall protection or not? It didn't matter. What should have happened is the holes should have been covered. And we're talking about five foot by 10 foot holes, something you could put a car through. Right? These weren't simple little holes. And... <coughs> These guys have to encounter these things in the pitch black darkness. So the fact that the safety director didn't understand that fundamental difference 
um, and was going to risk having people lie to federal authorities over that. The desperation and, and the willingness to try to cover their tracks just to throw the dead guy under the bus, Jay, Jay's memory under the bus and his family, and, and give them all an obscene hand gesture even further. Um, that speaks for itself as to the quality of character of this company. Brian Fritz and Kevin Durkin are our special guests here in the studio from Fritz B. and Cooley Law Firm. The story is a tough story uh, to deliver uh, on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, will this stop the practice of taking the lowest bid? Uh, I don't know. We'll get into that uh, conversation. Uh, and to all of those members of the various locals that certainly tune in to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, um, Brian and Kevin are in your corner. Uh, it is a uh, uh, tough story to hear, um, but boy, I'm, my level of respect for what you've been able to do for his family in terms of memorializing um, him as an individual um, just good work by you. Thank you much uh, to both. We'll get to a commercial break. We'll continue uh, with the live show. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTC Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk there. <laughs> God bless you. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We take you right up to 750 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and lead you right into Temple Basketball, Temple SMU tonight. You'll hear all of the action, all of the live action on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Brian Fritz, Kevin Durkin, both of the Fritz B. and Cooley Law Firm in the studio. J-Doc joining tonight uh, by phone. Uh, I like you by phone, J-Doc. It's nice to have you on the phone. I can control you at least in some uh, some way, shape, or form, but uh, I'm glad you're able to be with us tonight and be part uh, of this conversation. I'm going to start, uh, uh, Brian, let me start with you, because um, I asked that question going into the commercial break, um, and I don't want to get lost in what you want the listeners to hear, um, but I've got to ask that question, mm-hmm. is, will this story right. prevent the, the practice right. of the lowest bidder? <laughs> So this story certainly should because of the story and the history that we've put out there. And we're doing everything we can to make it known and also more or less to put government on notice. All right. Because at a certain point in time, uh, what may develop is a body of case law uh, that holds the government actors who award the contracts responsible. And in the event that it goes that way, that they should be aware and should be concerned that they very well may eventually be on the hook or theories tested to hold them liable if they're putting someone in place. So let, let's take a different example um, in, in, in the past, in the recent years where a municipality or, or has a bad actor as a police officer on the street, he's a, might be a loose cannon or thought to be a loose cannon and they keep the person out there. And even though they may know or have reason to know of it, well then they could potentially be on the hook in the event that that per, that, that officer does something consistent with what's, um, uh, a bad act, right? So now let's, the same sentiment with that is this, that you put somebody in place that you knew or should have known could cause harm. Well, to borrow from that, this really isn't that much different. 
If you knew or should have known that you have a contractor such as Aga Construction that has in the past um, put profits over safety, didn't do what they were supposed to do, had no moral conviction, had no safety consciousness whatsoever, and they killed and hurt people, and you then give them another shot, how really is that, how is that sentiment any different than, than the situation with the police officer? So what we anticipate is that the municipalities and all these governmental agencies really should be mindful of that. That event that this could come full circle. Right now, they enjoy certain levels of immunity and and certain challenges on their case law. But when the facts become more and more egregious, and now what we've done is placed everybody on notice that this exists, it's inexcusable. Change, protect us, right? And they still fail to do so. Well, then certainly they may face reprisals themselves. So that may actually lead to the change. It would, would, the shortest answer to your question is this. Usually if in some way there's reprisals, be it financial, be it prohibition from bidding, be it that you have to pay for law, lawsuits or whatever, um, then there's usually some level of change. So with what we did and placing everybody on notice of the situation here and making a call to stop the practice and the problems with the practice, of merely and blindly accepting the lowest bidder, well, eventually it may come back and hurt people in the purse um, that may help effectuate the change that we're speaking about. Kevin, is that enough right now? The financial pop or the financial hit that the company absorbs? Us getting out here and talking about it and and, and just letting letting everyone know about this company it's more than just the financial pop it's 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 the stigma that that should stay with these companies um that they didn't carry into the bidding process in the pier and that they hopefully do carry now um but but the municipalities do need to need to change uh, the way they're reviewing I mean, these bids. What's the name of the company? Is Agate Construction yeah. the name of the company? Does Agate Construction care? Does the CEO or the president or the person who's at the top of the pyramid, do they stand there and care or no? Well, um, the fact that we were told uh, when they were talking about the resolution of the case and um, about confidentiality of things and we were we took a very strong position saying no to confidentiality. Um, it was basically relayed to us that the owner uh, didn't really care what we had to say to the press because in his mind, he knows he has a safe company. Well, um, we beg to differ and we say history uh, is more on our side than his. So I think when you have that type of delusional position being taken, um, uh, that may, that may speak for itself, but you ask, do, do they care? Well, when a company puts down as number one their concern in a kickoff meeting, not that everybody goes home safely, but we don't want to be on the hook for financial damages, I think that speaks for itself as to what they truly care about. Yeah, dumb question on my part. J-Doc? Yeah, um, how do you spell agate construction, if you don't mind asking? It is A-G-A-T-E. Got it. Um, are, are they still operating today? Yes. All right. 
And let's talk about, and in a lot of ways, you guys are talking about transparency. In other words, you know, when somebody's, you know, the government and the people, uh, because have a right to know what company is, 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 is building and doing major construction around them. I mean, imagine if that hole uh, was, you know, a, a, you know, a, a building and, they, and, and, they're, and they're hanging steel up there over, over people's head. So I think it was Kevin that, or, or Brian that brought up the, the Salvation Army shot, where there were the general public actually in the building, right next to the building that was getting demoed. It's a, it's a disgrace. But before, before I roll out, I'd like to ask Brian, what, what areas um, would you like to, to, to uh, what information would you like um, a, a contractor to have to provide uh, in order to secure a job along with their bid? Um, I'm glad you asked that because it's very important that, uh, that this is done right, that if a change is put in place, that it's done correctly. Some people may turn around and say, oh, well, look up their OSHA record. All right. Well, that's deceiving. Because these general contractors rarely are ever cited by OSHA. So we have a history here of a, of a company responsible for injury and death that you would never see OSHA citations related to. So you would actually be lulled into a false sense of uh, a spick and span safety record by just looking at OSHA citations. So it must be, it has to go into much more. And you have to actually ask for um, their accident history. Yeah, I think uh, their incident reports. Um, any lawsuits, uh, all deposition transcripts related to those lawsuits, where they may have been venued in terms of where those cases were brought, who their attorney was, authorization for the attorney to release the files, um, and also basically ask the company for narratives as to what happened and then put down um, some sort of provision that these things, uh, in the event that they're falsified or less than candid with it, that they face both potentially civil and criminal penalties as well as a penalty phase of being prohibited from bidding either on the municipal level or state level or whatever for a certain period of time as to just as a penalty, but also to ensure the fact that <coughs> they're providing accurate information. So there really has to be some, some level of draconian uh, threats um, to make sure you're getting everything because not all incidents may actually wind up being rendered into lawsuits or workers' comp claims, or a lot of these things where there's a paper trail. So you have to rely, to some extent, on the word of the company. Just a few minutes left in the abbreviated broadcast of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Remember, we lead you right into Temple Basketball uh, at 7.50. Kevin, let me give you um, a chance to uh, give you last word. Uh, on the conversation. Brian, I want to come back to you before we say goodbye. And then, Jay doc I'm going to give you 30 seconds as well. Kevin, let me start with you. I, I think picking up where Brian left off and, you know, the discussion about what would you like to see in the bidding process, one of the other things that you know, I personally would like to see is some testing of these companies on their actual safety manuals that they're submitting because, uh, you know, what you see in a case like this is the company submits this telephone book of a safety manual and it looks great on paper but the reality is that you know the people don't understand it they haven't read it and they're just giving it to whoever is hiring them and saying look how safe we are we've got a really thick safety manual i'd like to see them actually test the person that who's going to be enforcing this safety manual 
do they know it? Do they know what these words even mean? Because, you know, we found out in this case that they didn't. The people who hadn't seen it and the people who had seen it didn't know what it actually meant. Um, so that would be a good start as well. Well stated by Kevin Durkin of Frisbee and Cooley Law Firm. J-Doc, I'm going to give you 30 seconds because I want to give the remaining time uh, when you're done uh, to Brian Fritz, who fittingly, I think, will close the show on behalf of Jay uh, with his next steps and his final thoughts uh, on what was a tough topic of conversation today. Yeah, no, my, but Joe, uh, my thought process is along the lines of Kevin, uh, worker, you know, they, they should have the, the safety qualifications, the training uh, of, of the safety uh, individuals on the job. That particular guy was just hired at night, was literally unqualified to be doing the job. And I also want to commend Brian Fritz and, and, and Kevin Durkin. They, they secured $10 million, a $10 million verdict on behalf of this family. And what I saw Brian say in that press conference was, it, it, the money can never replace a life. And a well, it was a job well done, and your emotions were incredible in, in stating that it was not about the amount of money, because that could never replace John, Jay Johnson's life. Jay Doc, thank you for joining the show today. You're welcome to come back to the studio one week from today when the Saturday Night Live joins you next Saturday on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Brian, uh, last word to you, sir. I'm going to let you talk through the music bed uh, and talk right to the end of the show. I'm ending the program tonight on your last word, sir. So um, in a situation like this, when we handle cases, it's, it's very hard. Um, and when you're dealing with a death and, and somebody that's the loss of life, um, and what you have to do is, uh, the, the main thing is when you talk to the family, um, and when you try to do these things is, is to promote change, to promote something that maybe so other families don't have to go through the same thing, or at least we try to do that so that maybe all the suffering, um, was not in vain. And I'll tell you this between Montgomery McQuaid and, um, the Johnson families, they, they taught us something too. They taught us a new definition of the word courage. A lot of times people think the word courage is some sort of absence of fear, but the absence of fear is really some form of brain damage. Um, But they told us that courage really is the ability to go on in spite of the fear, in spite of the pain. And to that, they should be commended. And I'm not sure how many other people out there would have the same level of courage. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSCME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.